Good evening. It's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. I know we were trying to figure out who would be here. We've got Sister April's father, who's uh, visitation tonight, funerals tomorrow. Uh, we've got, if you haven't noticed, rain. Uh, we have had tremendous weather. Um, be in prayer for all of those. I know over in where I live in Lake, uh, we had a lot of damage. And uh, luckily, uh, no lives or anything like that, just a lot of structure and trees. And uh, a lot of us don't have, still don't have power. Last I checked, I don't have power yet. So, so it's nothing bad, but we, we can replace all that stuff. But just keep those people in prayer that, that are going through this and uh, that we get a chance to, to show Christ to them. Uh, tonight, i just let you know, all of you in heaven, you will get the, the crown, the Noah's Ark crown, that, that, you've, that you've decided to push through all the water. You will get the Noah's Ark crown. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's in Third Timothy, and, uh, and so uh, it's, it's, it's a special crown that you get for uh, coming through all the, the water and the waves. But tonight, we want to kind of jump a little further into this mindset as we're dealing with prayer and We've walked our way through all the others' uh, areas, and we finally reached the point where we understand that prayer is warfare. It is, it is warfare. And there are scriptures that come at us, and, they're, and they're, you know, we, in our Christian mindset, take them from a certain perspective. But when we take them from a military perspective, it takes on a whole different, different meaning. It takes on a whole different mindset. Let, let me give you, uh, in Hebrews we read that, you know, we are to lay aside all the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Okay, when we think of that, we're thinking, well, you know, there's stuff I need to do better. There's some things. But think of it from a military mindset. You, you are to lay aside everything, anything that's slowing you down in this race, anything that's causing you problems. The disciples once asked Jesus, they said, but Lord, we, we've left this and this. We've left family and, and our boating industry and our fishing industry and our tax collecting industry. And, 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 and he, just, he just shakes it off like, good, good. That's, that's a good thing. You, you've done good. And, and you're going to be rewarded here for it, and you're going to be rewarded in heaven for it. It, it, is a, it is a mindset that once we get through these properly, then warfare becomes our our main objective. And we have a problem now because in the church culture, this, this warfare or this, this fighting, this, this attacking the enemy, this, it's, kind of, it's kind of died to a point to where we're just wanting to get along and to appease. But as we kind of break into the Scriptures tonight, I want to show you a, a passage, probably one of the controversial passages a lot of theologians, a lot of, a lot of people debate. And, and in fact, Pope Francis just lately has wanted to change this, this passage in Scripture. He's wanted to go in and change Scripture because he says it's, it's, not, it's not accurate. It's not, it's not. And I think there's a reason why this was quoted in two different books of the Bible, so that there would be no mistake of its accuracy. It was quoted in two different places. Go with me in your Bibles to Luke Luke 11 and 4, We're, I know if you're doing the devotions, you're on the Lord's Prayer. And so this is part of the Lord's Prayer, but it is a very controversial part of the Lord's Prayer. And, and here's what it says in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 4. And forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who, who is indebted to us. And do not 
lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's or deliver us from evil, depending on the King James Version. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now that sounds contradictory. And so when we go to the book of Matthew, Matthew 6 and 13, you're going to find the same scripture. And it's not an accident that in two different places, so this is probably a phrase that Jesus used quite a bit when he was preaching the kingdom and preaching the kingdom of God. I know we have it in our, our Bibles where the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. But I want to kind of contend that teaching them how to pray was an ongoing process for Jesus. That in the Sermon on the Mount, he taught how to pray. That in Luke 11, he taught how to pray. It, it is constantly in his kingdom mindset how to re-relate to our Heavenly Father. How to move from an Old Testament mentality to a New Testament. And here's what Matthew 6 and 13 says. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so now we have this controversy. Does God tempt or does God work in the process of temptation in our lives? It's easy for us to say that all temptation and all trial comes from the devil, that it's just the devil. But in reality, most of the time, in fact, all of the time, it has to work in concourse. If we are a child of God, it has to work in concourse with God's approval. There is no way the enemy has any authority or power to be able to come into a Christian's life and to bring trouble or to bring difficulty or to bring situations. It's easy for us to say that. So, so if, if I have to ask you, let's just start off by asking the question and put it out there broadly. How would you sum up that God leads us into temptation? Okay. So what does the story of Job tell you? Okay. He allows the devil, but here we says that who is doing the leading? Who is doing the leading? God. So, so, so what do you pull from that? Leading you where? Is he leading us into temptation? Or are we praying that we, we would not? Can you see where the, where, where the problem is? Because, because Pope Francis says we need to change this and say that, that he would not allow us to be tempted. That's what we need to change it to is that that Father, not, don't allow us to be tempted is the way it should be. But that's, that's not translated right because no matter how you, you work that in the Greek and no matter how you go, it, it is correct the way it is. That is as accurate an English translation as there is. When you go from the Greek or the Hebrew, when you go all the way back to the, the, the regular languages, that is the way he spoke it. So he is saying that God himself is leading us and that part of our prayer in this following God who is feeding us, forgiving us, delivering us, who is hallowed be thy name, who is our heavenly father, all of the things that we've said about him, now we get to a point to where we say, now, father, heavenly father, loving father, wonderful father, don't lead us into, can you see the problem? Because it's easier for us to categorize things. Well, the devil's all up in this. Really? We, if we learned anything from Job, we learned that the devil could do nothing without permission. 
In fact, I don't have time tonight, and, and we'll deal with this at a different time. It's not in my... But we will deal with a hierarchy and understand that even at this present time, every power and principality of power and everything is systematically still working together. There, there, is, not, there is not any devil doesn't talk to God, and there's no... There is a, a gathering in the throne of God and there are angelic beings, and in that angelic host, there are conversations, and there are decisions made, and there are things done that are involving our lives. Like I said, I don't have time to deal with that, and scripturally, we ain't got time to chop through all that tonight, but we will. But I want to just at least to get to this level tonight to where it's easy to say, let's just, let's just kill it. Let's kill the scripture and go back to the way it's easy to understand that God doesn't tempt and God doesn't bring temptation and God doesn't allow it and God doesn't, let's just kill it all together and just say that all temptation, anything that comes in our life comes from the devil. Now there's truth in this and there, and there's faults in this. And so when we start the process, go with me in your Bibles and let's look at a scenario and let me show you how this this actually works. Matthew 26, verses 33 through 46. Matthew 26, verses 33 through 46. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Peter makes a statement. He says, Lord, if everybody gets hurt at you, if everybody quits on you, if everybody, I won't. Here's what Jesus says. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times. How does Jesus know this? Uh, There's nothing in the Old Testament about a guy hearing a rooster crow three times. This is just Jesus talking to one of his disciples and looking at him and saying, Before morning you will crack. What does he know about Peter? Okay, knows his flaw, his personality, his character. Okay, so so he's looking at him, and and as the Spirit of God is speaking to Christ, and the Spirit of God is saying, he ain't making it till morning. So Jesus looks at Peter and says, you ain't making it till morning. And, and listen, listen to what Peter said unto him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and saith unto his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. Remember, a whole, a whole series is about what? Prayer. Okay. So sit here while I go pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two, the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you. So is Jesus being tempted? Yes. Yes, he's being tempted. Was he led? Yes. He's led to this place. He's led to this moment. He's, he, he's led to the certain situation. I mean, he could have said, you know, tonight's not the best night to be at Gethsemane. 
Why don't we just travel a few miles further down the road tonight and let's stay over to a different olive garden and just hang out over here. I just have a feeling that's a better place to be tonight. No, no. Jesus realizes I'm in the right place. I'm in the right time. And I'm begging my father to not lead me into what I've got to do. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then he came to the disciples. This is important. Then he came to the disciples and found them. He asked them to wait, and they decided to sleep. And he said to Peter, remember Peter? Peter said what? I will die. Everybody else will quit. I will, I will be here. I will die when you die. And, and here is what Jesus says to Peter. What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Just a few minutes ago, sitting at table, you were ready to die with me. Now you can't even stay awake with me. You, you would never deny me. And now, and he's, and, and here's the key. Next verse. Watch and watch and keep praying. Watch and keep praying. Why? Lest you enter into, was Jesus being tempted? Was Jesus struggling with temptation? He was tempted. But what was Jesus doing that the others were not? When Jesus felt the temptation coming upon him, he understood, you stay here. I am deeply sorrow. I know what's fixing to happen. I feel what's coming. It isn't time for me to go get a Coke and, and a bag of peanuts and sit here and, and go look through all my old pictures and think of how good the last three years. No, no, it's time for me to go pray. It's the way I fight my battles. It's the way I war. And he comes back and the very disciple that said, I am with you. I'm going to die with you. I've got you back. He looks at him and says, one hour, man, one hour, lest you enter into temptation. In other words, Peter, what I understand is, is that there was going to come tonight a tremendous moment of temptation. And if you're not prepared, the temptation will overwhelm you. I can go a million different directions right here. Let's just keep it simple. If, if I told you you were going to die, and you need to go home, and you need to figure out who's going to get your stuff, and what, who's going to get what, and, and make sure that everybody's going to be okay, and that nobody's going to get mad, were you good with that? Well, let me explain something to you. You're going to die. So you need to go ahead and go home and get that stuff situated so you don't have problems down the road. Otherwise, you're going to enter into, it's not that, that, that God is going to do anything, but God's leading you to death. It's a 100% chance he's leading you to death. You can pick your own burial plot, you can pick what you want on your headstone, but he's the one in charge of your death. And he's saying, it's coming, get ready, and how are you going to get ready? You're going to pray, and you're going to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Somebody says, well, I struggle with death. Well, just, you need to wrestle through that. You need to quit struggling with it. You're going to die. I'm just going to tell you. There's a lot I worry about dying. Don't worry. It's going to happen. We're worried about it. Man, don't, don't, even, don't even think about it no more. Just go on and live your life. It's going to happen. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying there's a million things in our life that the enemy, as the Bible says, sets a trap for us. The trap is simply somebody who doesn't know that it's coming. 
That's how you trap something. You step in something you didn't know it was there. So, so anytime it's like, I did not see my kids growing up and leaving me one day. Duh. They didn't like you when they lived with you. Why did you think they were going to live with you when they're 50 and 60? It's a trap. Yeah, but I built a playground in the backyard just so they could build their house next door to mine. I'm sorry. I deal with it all the time. I sit and, and hearing people and, and, and talking, and it's like, you didn't see that coming? You didn't see them getting married one day? And so in our lives, this is what Jesus is saying. Peter, lest you enter into te- The Spirit indeed is, the Spirit knows. That's where the conflict comes. Anybody ever, anybody ever, you, just, you can say, well, I know what I should do. The Spirit is willing. The Spirit says, we've got to get it done. But the flesh is, that causes the temptation. You don't change the Spirit. You pray and crucify the, in a military term, look at it this way. When you join the military, they do not destroy your spirit. Your spirit's there from the moment you signed up. You signed up and you wanted to serve God and country. You you, you signed up because you loved the uniforms. And you signed up because you loved all the war movies. And you signed up. That part never changed. The problem was is that when somebody actually started shooting at you, your flesh decided. So what they had to do was they had to send you through boot camp, not to crucify your spirit, but to crucify your so that you would run up to a dummy with a bayonet and you don't even think about whether it's a dummy or, 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 or an enemy or what. You just know, when I run up to somebody with this, I have this. It's, I do it automatically. Do it. This. Do this. You practice it until you don't even think about it anymore. Why? Because you crucify the flesh because the spirit's willing, but the flesh is... And God does the same thing. He wasn't picking at Peter because he said, Peter, you just, you're all messed up. No. He said, Peter... Man, I I love what you're saying. In fact, later he'll tell Peter, he said, Peter, one of these days you're going to go where you wouldn't go yourself and somebody will lead you and and, and you're going to be a great guy one day, but not today. Just not today. And, And Peter can't handle that because his spirit is like, yes, I can. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you know people that done that. Probably you haven't, but other people you know have like, yeah, I can. And then three weeks later it's like, no, I can't. Because because your flesh... Is the problem. Now, this is important because remember now, we're in a military war mindset. God is in war with the enemy, just like with Job, just like with Daniel, just like with whoever. It's, it's a war. And so listen, in this war, again, the second time, listen to what it says. We'll read the rest of it, and we'll jump to the next. Again, the second time, he went away to pray, verse 42, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be, what's he, what's he doing? He's killing that flesh. He's killing his flesh. That, that's, yeah, I mean, I know we get all super spiritual. Jesus is just killing his flesh. That's all he's doing. He's trying to, to, to give us an illustration at the highest degree of what he's fixing to have to go through. Before I go through this, I have to kill this flesh. And, and, and he goes away for an hour and he get, comes back and, and it's like, oh. And then he goes way, and his prayer gets even stronger. Father, if this cup can't pass, if you're not listening, you're not answering, you're not seemingly moving this thing, so your will be done. And he came back and found them asleep, for their eyes were heavy. So he didn't say anything this time. How do you know that, that you're getting better? Because what other people do and what other people say don't affect you no more. 
If other people can still affect you and other people can still hinder you and other people can still stop you from being what you're supposed to be and doing what, then you haven't killed your flesh yet. If you don't pass boot camp, what do they do? They just let you really do the whole thing. Hey, we just put you back in 12 more weeks. Man, we just got plenty. We can put you in the next group. You ain't going to send me home? Oh, no, 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 no. We're going we gonna to get you there. We're just going to keep running you through it till we finally get you. And, and God is the same way. God says, keep going back to them trees as long as you need to, Jesus. I'm not changing. I'm leading you here. So he left and went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? He isn't mad. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is right there. To get your flesh from where it starts to fight a battle properly to where it needs to be may require many prayers. But those prayers cannot remain the same. They must progressively keep making me stronger. Because God, listen, let's see if I can give it to you in a few phrases that you can write down. God is always leading us into those conflicts. God is always leading us into those conflicts that we call temptations. And what it is, is that God is leading you to a destiny. What God was leading Jesus to was the fact that He promised Him, He said, I will give you a name above every name. I will make you to sit on my right hand. I will make you great. I will, in fact, the Bible says in Hebrews that for the joy that was set before Him, that God promised Him, He endured the cross. And so God makes these promises, just like to us. To those that endure, you get a crown of righteousness if you overcome. Everyone who overcomes, he talks about the different things you can gain and do. And he, and he puts that in front of us, and then he says, okay, now follow me. Now follow me. And in the process of following him, what happens is he is leading you to a destiny, but to that destiny, you have to pass through strongholds and places that the enemy resides. If I get close to a place that an enemy resides, what am I going to encounter? Temptations. It is not that God has, has created temptation. It's not that God has, because God is not tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. It's not that God thinks from that level. God thinks from the level of I am getting you here, even with his own son. Think about it. His own son now, he's not thinking about, well, you know, my son is fixing to get the hide tore off of him. My son is fixing to get a crown of thorns crushed on his head. My son is fixing to be beaten unrecognizable. My son is fixing to be hung on a cross. My son. Because if God thought from that perspective, what would he have done? Yeah, he'd have sent 10,000. Jesus would have had to call 10,000. God would have said, Lord, what in the world? Get down there and fix it. No, but God... In his, in his grace and mercy and power is thinking futuristic. So while you're sitting here crying about, Lord, you know what I'm going through? You know what's tough? God's like, huh? Do you see where you're going? You ever get in those conversations with God? You can't get God to understand what you're facing? And you're like, God, look at me. Look what I'm going through. And God's like, do you see where we're going? Do, do, you got to quit looking. Because I'm never going to take my eyes off that and look here because if I do, then the whole world's in a mess. One day he will. 
One day he's going to say, son, that's as far as we go. Hey, one day he'll do it. Even the son doesn't know when he's going to finally say, I'm not looking futuristic no more. It's time to wrap it up. Could be right now. Could be in the next 10 minutes. Could be the next 100 years. But God who holds it all together will one day stop looking. But as of right now, He's still looking at who you are, who you are to be, who you are to become, what you are to accomplish. And He does not focus for the sufferings of this present time, as Paul learned about God, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Paul said, I've learned a little bit about God. God does not care. Not like you think care. In fact, he says, I know you're going through this. I do care, but I'm not going to fix that until we get over here. And in fact, when we finally get through all of this, all the abuse, all the problems, all the, uh, the abortions, all the divorces, all the situations, all the mistreatment, all the people who did you wrong, all, when we get to this side over here, then I will tally it up. But, but right now, I don't even worry about that. While we're at war, it is not time to start rebuilding a city. We are still fighting the war. So, so with God, He leads us into those conflicts with the enemy. That's what He's leading us into. And in those conflicts happens to be the temptations that are just naturally present. So let's say, let's just take some, some war, real simple war. Uh, marriage. Real simple war. You want to get married. Did that come with any conflicts? Oh, you weren't expecting that? You got trapped? Just a simple little war. I just, I'm so lonely. I want somebody to be with. Well, there's your one. Go get you one. It don't matter. Pick any of them. They all flawed. Latch you up in one of them. Some flawed a lot worse than others. Some I ain't done as much work on. You just pick you one. And what I hadn't finished, I'll do it with you together. I'll help you help that one, and they'll help you help you, and... Oh, it'll be beautiful. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, marriage is wonderful because it accomplishes, but inside, inside the beauty of where God is taking me, you know, those pictures where we're on our wedding day and those pictures where we're holding our babies, and that in the middle of all of that is conflict. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't change it for the world. Love my life. Love my wife. But I understand that as God leads me, I also have to be prepared for this conflict. Listen, when we enter into the battlefield, it's usual, it's normal for us to enter the battlefield where a full of array of evil is exposed. It's, it's, you gotta get to the point where you know it's natural. It's, it's commonplace that if I decide to take this territory, we're talking about spiritual fighting now, because that's what I'm preaching on, and I know it's taken me a while to get here, but, when we're talking about any ground you want to take, an enemy is there. It doesn't matter if it's as simple as me going home tonight and saying, you know what, God's dealing with me about, about stuff we're watching on TV and, 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 and I've decided to, to block half the channels we got and, 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 and we're gonna, we're, and I, I decide, boy, I'm telling you what, I'm doing this good thing for my family. You may tell you what's gonna happen. Let me put it to you in the world, all hell's gonna break loose. Because that's really what's going to happen. I just put my foot right in the middle of hell, and I just said, we're going to adjust some things here in hell. 
You, you've had free reign to, to have all this stuff, and I'm fixing to take some territory. And I'm going to, even if something as simple as putting blocks on three or four or five channels in my TV can create chaos. Battlefields are where the full array of evil is exposed. It's not exposed until you put your foot there. It's not exposed until you call war on it. Some of you have called war on things in your life, in your families, in, and, it's, and, it, and, and somehow it's a shock that it's this bad, that it's this, but, but you're taking territory. And it comes with the temptations, temptations to give in, temptations to quit, temptations to... to and by divine grace, what makes it even worse is that by divine grace, we are overruled by God. What does the Scripture say? Lead us not. See, it took me a while to get all the way back around, but now you're going to understand what that Scripture means. Lead us not into, God, I really, I mean, if we don't have to deal with that TV problem, then we don't have to, do we? And God says, yep. Lead me not, Lord, into a place where temptation, I don't want to have to go somewhere like Jesus. I'm no different than Jesus, Lord. If If it be possible, I'd rather step over here. If it be possible... But the problem is, is that God, who you just talked about, who feeds you, takes care of you, is hallowed be His name, and He is our heaven, He overrules by grace and power and says that, no, this is the direction to your destiny. And we cannot bypass this. Jesus, you must go to a cross. You sure? There's no other way. you got to go through it. You mean, I can't, I can't do this... In- no other way. And there's things in your life that there's no other way than you're going to have to fight a spiritual battle. You're going to have to stand because it's not just going to... And don't get me wrong, if you, you, you just leave it alone, it'll have its own little world and you won't bother you and you won't bother it. And But you and it will live together in this constant... That's what. Remember what happened to Israel? Like I said, I'm trying to get through this fast. Remember what happened to Israel? They got so far into the into the land and they decided to cut deals with the other people and said, and eventually what happened was they lost even what they had because now their gods became, yeah. This is what happens in spiritual warfare. You're either taking territory or you're compromising and cutting deals with a, and God who has already done told you, I do not compromise, I do not cut deals, and you're making contracts, oh, Remember Joshua who made a contract with a country when he was never supposed to make contracts with countries? Was God happy? No. God said, no, you are supposed to take the land. So by divine grace, he over, you're overruled by God. So we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Go with me to Matthew 4, 1 through 3. This is a constant part. This is very familiar scripture. Matthew 4, 1 through 3. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be... Was there any other way? Was there any other way? No. If there had been, God would have allowed it. God says, no, you must, you must be tempted. You must be put in a place 
You must go through this. This is part of who you are so that you can one day say, I have been tempted in every way. Uh, there's not one thing that one human's ever gone through that I haven't faced or endured so that you can go to Jesus and he can be your high priest. And God's saying, you cannot be their high priest if you just simply live to 30 years old and I kill you with a heart attack. Yeah, but Lord, I live perfect for 30 years. Now let me die of a heart attack and it'll all be good. He says it can't happen that way. You must... Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, making sure that he was at his... When you hear people preach this, they miss it. Was he at his weakest? Or was he at his strongest? Because to fight against this enemy, I have to crucify my and build my... So when people look at that and says, well, now Jesus fasted for a day, man, he was at his... No, he wasn't. I've done some fasts. And, and believe me, you're not weak. You, you are nowhere near weak. You are super strong. The world has nothing. I mean, absolutely no hold. It doesn't mean... And the enemy, when he comes at you, can only come at you to attack your what? All right, let's look at what the devil does. He first comes and he says, if you be the Son of God, stones into bread. What is that, physical or spiritual? Physical. He takes him up to a high place. He says, jump off. You're supposed to be the king. Physical. Third, carries him to a high place, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. said, I'll, I'll give it all to you. It's all physical. When the enemy attacks you, the only thing he can attack you with is physical. Think about it. When, when you're going through something... I'm telling you what, my blood pressure's been getting worse. Physical. He's attacking flesh. He may get dead. Jesus prayed three times to kill his. But when we first go into a place of temptation, your flesh is, you, you think it's dead. I'm, I'm going to show you in just a few minutes. You think it's dead. And then when you get in it, it's like, oh, Lord, I did not expect this. And when he had fasted 40 days, afterward he was hungry. And notice what it says, next verse, this important verse. Now when the tempter came to him. So, so God cannot tempt you, but God said, look, the devil wants to set a trap, and we're going to let him set it on you. I'm going to lead you to the trap, and I'm going to make you step in the trap. I'm going to take you to a high place, isolate you, and then I'm going to... I'm going to hold food from you and, and, and nourishment from you for 40 days. And the enemy has decided, if I can get Jesus to step in that trap, I can beat him. And the enemy is counting on every time that if he can get you to step into there, you will take the temptation. That's something he does to Job. He says about Job, if you allow me to do this to him, he will curse you. The enemy says the same thing about you. If, if, you, let, if you let this happen to them, man, they'll quit reading their Bible. They won't start going, they won't go to church. They ain't gonna praise you no more. If you, if you just, if you just let this happen, if you just let me spring that trap, they will not be who you think they are. So the prayer is lead us not into means in our journey, as we are walking through, prepare me, Lord, make me ready so that when I walk through that battle, the temptation around me will not overtake me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. 
That is your prayer. Let me show it to you from a, from a different scale. All right. Uh, I was thinking today, we've got all these trees that have, that have fallen down. Why, why are these trees falling? Okay. Yesterday, we would have looked at those trees, and we would have said, man, look how, oh, I bet that tree has been there a hundred years. I bet you couldn't, you couldn't pull that tree over with a bulldozer. And God sent a little wind to, we use a word, tempered. When God tempers glass and we temper steel, what are we doing to it? Some of you smart people. Put it through a fire. What's the purpose? To make it stronger to, and also to test its, its ability. In other words, they'll say that's tempered steel. It can withstand so much pressure and it's tempered glass. It will not shatter like other glass. So, so when God has tempered you, temptationed you, heated you up, Go with me to James 1, 2, and 3. So our prayer is, Lord, lead me not into temptation. I must go on my journey, but what I'm praying is, Father, in your perfect will and in your perfect timing and in your perfect way, as you guide me on my journey, make sure. I'm trusting that you will make sure that whatever I step into, you have already tempered me so that I will not be overcome by evil, but will overcome evil with good. That's your call. That's the fight. Here's what James would say. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various... I love how he says that. Yours probably says temptations. When you just happen to fall into, into troubles, you know how we just fall into messes. And James is being real nice. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. James says, now listen, if you've been in this thing long enough, you're going to understand how this works. When you're, when you're in a trial, understand that God has tempered it, heated it to a level so that you can become stronger through it instead of weaker. If you understand that you're never going to get physically stronger in it, but you will get spiritually stronger, you must quit worrying about the physical part. Paul said, I died daily in my physical, but the inner man each day is growing. Some of y'all know the Bible. I'm dying weaker every day, but yet I'm getting stronger every day. Why? Because the testing, all that I've been through, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the stonings, the jailing, the everything He's put me through, has not made me a weaker Christian. It has made me stronger. Now, physically, you look at me and you, you know, even the Corinthians looked at him and said, Paul is bodily weak. And Paul then looked at him and wrote the letter and said, look, you're going to think weak if I get there. That's what he told him. He said, you're going to think. And then he kind of backs us like, now look, I, I don't want to have to come that way. Let's just hope we don't have to. But the fact is, I'm just letting you know that what you see on the outside ain't who you're dealing with. Go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 24, and I'll wrap us up. 1 Corinthians 12 and 24. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. it. But our presentable parts have no need. 
But God has, and when you look up the word composed the body, what he's talking about is he has compressed compassion. You, this week, the rest of the week, you can look up that word, composed, or what that word means, what he's trying to say there. He has, he has fashioned, he has basically tempered the body together, having given greater honor to the parts that lack it. He says, that, that's how I, I do the body. That's how I do life. That's how I do... And even as a church, when we are the body of Christ, we have been tempered in fact, one translation, put it in the King James and see what it says, if you can do that for me. Can we swap it over to the King James real quick? For our commonly parts have no need, but God has... That's a better translation. That's why you can't always use one. Keep four or five Bibles, six or seven, whatever you need. For our commonly parts have no need, but God hath... Some of you became good friends through trials, difficulties... Some of you didn't become part of the church until you came to an altar and somebody began to pray over your family and you, you all of a sudden now other people knew about it and y'all were pulling together and he tempered you into the body. And it works the same way when it, when it's the army, when it works the same way when it's your spiritual life. God is a God who tempers, who tempers things and creates them from where they are and makes them stronger. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put, that's how God works. He's tempering. Building, making. In your life right now, you have to pray this prayer because it's the prayer Jesus taught you to pray. Father, lead me not into... If, if there be any way, Lord, away from having to just deal with this or do this, then, then let it happen. We have our example through Christ. If there be any way, then, then please. But, but not my will... Whatever it is you've seen for my life and whatever it is, I have fully and totally trusted you. And therefore, if you choose this, then you must believe that I have been tempered and prepared. Because on top of my prayer here, Lord, lead me not into temptation, I also attach this, please deliver me from all evil. So every day of my life, this is the prayer. Lord, today I am going to step into situations. I'm going, to, I'm going to step into relationships with other people. I'm going to step into problems. Some of many of my own. I'm going to step into... And Lord, if there's anybody else, please let them get there first. It's okay. It's, that's, that's, that's nothing wrong with praying that. And nothing, nothing worse than feeling like I'm not the person you need to be talking to. But if you've already prayed, Lord, nothing I'm going to get into today... It has, to, it has to be led by, you're the leader. So if I'm in it, I'm in it with you. And so therefore, I am, I am praying that God, you, if this is what you've chose, then you've tempered me for it, and now deliver me through it. Because yours is the, it's His kingdom. I know what, what team I'm fighting for. Yours is the kingdom. When a when hundred years from now, when everybody's worried about all they're worried about, you'll be in one kingdom or the other. All this stuff that seems so important right now, you'll be either in one kingdom or the other. That's the only thing that matters. That's why he says, when you finish, you, you sing your praise. For yours is the kingdom. And yours is the, the power. And yours is the, the glory. And Jesus kind of says, you can get excited here if you'd like to. 
And you can say forever, 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 forever. Just add as many of them as you like. Just get forever, ever, and ever, and ever. Because when you get to the end there, it is His kingdom and His glory and His power that will establish your forever. Your team wins. Your army wins. The goal is, is how much can I accomplish? How far can I go? How much good can I do for the kingdom that I fight for? As a father, as a mama, as a where I work, where, where I go to school, as a, whatever it may be. Wherever God has put my foot. And it's okay, it's okay to pray this, Lord, if it be your will, would you please fix this? It's okay. But if He doesn't, it means He called you to the fight. To fight a good fight of faith. So that you can have more patience and a lot of other good stuff. Will you stand? As we each night come to the altar and just take that part prayer with us. And we've taken repentance and we've taken sanctification. We've established that we're not going to, to turn, but, but we're going to fight. We're not going to put on a rain jacket and wait for the rain to stop. We're, we're warriors. We fight, rain or shine. And we win every time. But we must fight. Yeah, I know Pope Francis and others, they'd love to change that Scripture. And it would be so easy to change that Scripture and say, Lord, don't let evil touch us. Lord, keep evil from us. It sounds so much easier than to say, God, as you lead me on my journey, and some of my journey will have to go through hostile territory. And it will go through places where I cry, and it will go through places where I hurt, and it will go through places where parts of my flesh had to be left behind. As I do it, Lord, you lead me. And don't let the temptations that I have to endure as I walk through that valley stick to me. But you deliver me from every evil that raises its head, every enemy that holds itself up against you. You bring me through and make me victorious. Do you know what it is you're fighting? Do you, do you see the flesh that needs to peel off? And as you step out tonight and as we all just gather around the altars, yours will be different than mine. My season's different than yours and doesn't make it worse or better. It just means it's the, it's the stuff on the bottom of my shoe right now. That's what I have to fight. And yours is, is just as big, it's just as hard, it takes everything you got. But here's the promise, when you come through yours this time, you'll be stronger. When I come through mine, I'll be stronger. Father, tonight, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we stand here and we have our things that hurt us. You have led us into a battle. You... You could have fixed it. We've asked a million times, why don't you fix it? But you led us, and you put us here in the middle of this conflict. Father, we ask that you lead us not into any temptation. So that means that if we're here, you led us. That means that you knew what was in us before we stepped into it. You knew that we were well able to overcome this even though our flesh 
hurts. So like Jesus, Lord, let me peel off the fleshly parts that right now cause me struggles in this. The places that I need to stand with You, the places I need to speak with You, the places I need to draw a line, the places I need to draw closer, the places... God, in the name of Jesus, right now, I thank You for the conflict. Because the conflict means that You have a destiny. You have a testimony for me on the other side. And for every person in this room who is going through whatever conflict that You have put before them right now, that You have chose for them, whether it be a Job, a Daniel, or a Tim Lot, it doesn't matter. Every one of us in this room, we have our story to tell. And Father, I thank You. Because greater is He that's in me than anything in this world. Will you reach over to that person beside you? You don't have to know what they're going through. But you can look at them and say, listen to me, God's with you. And God is walking you through it. And you will win this battle. God is with you. He is walking you through it. And you will win this battle. Father, we pray one for another that we would see with your eyes and hear with your ears and we would know that the battle is yours. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I declare victory over every situation that has been on the heart, the mind, and the soul of each person here. Father, I go ahead and now and I speak victory because you have never led us into anything that you did not already plan a way of escape and a way to come out. So I give you glory now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we say this with me. Just kind of look upward and just, just speak to Him. And just in your, in your own way, say, Thine is the kingdom, and Thine is the power, and Thine is the glory, and I am part of forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Well, you know what to do. Go give the devil fits. <laughs>